Well, uh, good morning and welcome to uh, week two of our series, Ignite, Marriage Beyond I Do. Uh, listening to Dan's meditation has inspired me, so I'll just uh, do my message this way. Husbands, love. Wives, love. Amen. Goodbye. No, not quite. Now, they actually applauded in first service at that. They thought I was serious and they were, yeah, they were happy about it. And only Abby's happy in this service, but that's okay. Well, uh, before actually we are going to jump into our second week, before we do that, I want to ask you, uh, I guess sort of in a way a personal favor, but uh, maybe just to remind you of something and ask you to do something. Um, a lot of you know her, and our family happens to be good friends with a young lady named Sierra Minot. Sierra uh, is Miss Florida right now, and uh, she's a, a part of the church over at First Christian in Fort Myers. Her dad's an elder there, and our family has known her for a number of years. And as beautiful as she is on the outside... She is equally or more so beautiful on the inside. She's an incredibly godly woman, and uh, she has uh, taken this role that she has been given this year, and her only desire, and deep down in her heart, is that uh, God would use uh, the platform that she's been given to increase people's knowledge of Him. And uh, she is all about spreading His fame. And this week, I want to ask you to pray for her, because she will compete uh, in the Miss America pageant. And uh, I have learned, I didn't understand how all this works, but I understand now that all the really stuff that matters happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. And then the stuff that you see on TV Saturday night is just all the glitz and glamour, but most of the stuff's already been ex- determined by that time you see that. So I just want to ask you to pray for her. I pray that God would continue to use her. Uh, if you were to ask her this morning, she would genuinely tell you and really mean it that she really doesn't care about winning. She just wants to use any opportunity that she's been given uh, to tell people about God and to let her light shine brightly. And so I just want to ask you to pray for her this week and that God would do exactly that in her life. And, you know, on a personal note, if she'd win, that'd be pretty cool too. I uh, thought we'd review for a minute. Remember, we started last week and we started talking about um, how to make the fire of our marriage burn really brightly over a long period of time. And we said last week, there are three logs that if we'll keep putting these logs on the fire of our relationship then it will keep burning. And we said those three logs were, number one, mutual submission. The idea that it's all about what can I do to serve my spouse. Then we talked about the log of real love. And we went through and read that description of love from the Bible. And we said if that, if we'll love each other like that, then our marriage relationship can be really healthy. And the third log we said if we'll put on the fire is the log of top priority. That our marriage relationship is the most important earthly relationship that we have. It's second only to our relationship with God. And as long as we'll make it the top priority, then it can be really healthy. I uh, challenge you to do a couple things, and so I thought I'd uh, ask you and see how you're doing on those. One, I challenge you to uh, date your spouse. How many of you found some time this week to go out and do something with your spouse? Good. I see some hands up. Very good. It was fun, wasn't it? Uh, Peg and I uh, took some time Friday. Um, I hope it was fun. Uh, second, I took some time Friday. It's my day off. And so uh, we went out uh, and went downtown Fort Myers and walked around for a while. And then I've uh, discovered this little coffee shop that I think is really cool. And so we went there and had some lunch and just sat and talked. It was great. We thoroughly enjoyed that time and it was really good for us. And if you didn't take some time this week, then I encourage you to find some time uh, this coming week. Remember, we're kind of trying to help each other out. We're having a little creative date contest asking you to send in all of your ideas. Uh, you can send those to stories at crosspointcape.com and then every week I'm taking all the ideas that come in and posting them on my blog and you can get to that at uh, jeffswearingen.wordpress.com and 
You can take some of those ideas and maybe it'll help you be creative in your dating. And then the most creative idea that we get throughout the whole series on the last week of the series, uh, we'll give a prize for that idea. Now, the second thing I challenge you to do was to pick up a copy of the book, The Love Dare, and begin reading that. How many of you have been reading The Love Dare this week? That's great. Yeah, and I've gotten some great feedback from you guys, some great response. I know some of you are reading it together out loud and others are reading it individually then getting together later in the day and talking about it. Um, Peg and I did that thing Friday while we were out where we told three things that uh, irritate us about the other one and uh, she came up with a list really quickly and I really struggled to come up with a list. Not true. Um, so, you know, we did that. I just encourage you, if you didn't pick up a copy last week, we still have some, I think, out there. Stop by, uh, purchase one of those. You can start today and just do it for 40 days uh, from this point and it will be a really good thing uh, for your relationship. Well, I heard about 15 couples that were married on a roller coaster in Tampa. Now, seriously, they, uh, they were dressed in tuxedos and wedding gowns. Um, they wore uh, some headsets so they could hear the vows being uh, read and had microphones on so that as they repeated the vows, their partner could hear those vows. And uh, as they rode along on the roller coaster, the ceremony was performed. And when they got to the end of the ride, the ceremony was over. They were married. Now, you know, that's a strange way to get married, isn't it? But really, it's a pretty good picture of what a relationship is like, isn't it? There are a lot of ups and downs. And what those people didn't realize is that when the roller coaster stopped that day, it didn't really stop. We all know there are some great highs in a relationship. There are wonderful times. But there are also some valleys, some moments where we experience some conflict and some tension in that relationship. It's true of any relationship, whether it's a parent-child relationship or other family relationships or with our friends, or with co-workers, there are ups and downs, and there will be moments of conflict and tension. In fact, if you're married this morning, I expect you have had an experience like this at some point in your marriage. You have breakfast already? Yeah. What'd you eat? I had the last bagel and a yogurt. Are you planning on making a grocery trip soon? Caleb, you work 24 hours and then you're off for 48. You've got more time to go than I do. Hey, I just asked you a simple question. You don't need to get smart with me. You could at least save me some breakfast. Well, I never know when you're coming home or going out. You don't tell me these things. Catherine, what is your problem? Did I offend you by walking in the door this morning? No, you just can't expect me to work every day and still get the groceries while you sit at home looking at trash on the Internet and dreaming about getting your boat. You chose to take this job, and no one said you had to work full time. We need the income, especially since you took away a third of your salary saving for a boat we don't need. You've got $24,000 in savings, but we have things in our house that need fixing. Like what? The back door needs to be painted, the yard needs better landscaping, and I keep telling you I want to put more shelves in the closet. Those are called preferences, Catherine. Those are not needs. There's a difference. If you want to spend your money on that stuff, go ahead, fine. But I've been saving up for my vote for years. You're not taking that from me. It's so pointless. I don't have time for it. Yeah, shut the door on your way out. <laughs> Ever been there? You know, conflict and tension really are inevitable in our marriage relationships. For instance, just consider the basic differences between a male and a female. Uh, in fact, Nancy, I noticed this ahead of time. What, could I borrow your purse for a minute? I promise not to open it or take anything out of it. 
Yes, it is heavy. So, this is a woman, and this is a man. Now, Nancy, I'm not going to open it, but I guess if we were to dump this out, we would find that there are things in here that could uh, cover almost anything that might happen for your family today. You would be prepared with something in your pocketbook here, probably. However, in my wallet, there are a few credit cards, an ID, and a little bit of cash. I figure if anything happens, I'll just buy my way out of it with a credit card, right? Uh, Nancy, I'm guessing that this is not your only purse. I bet you have a spring purse, a winter purse, a summer purse, a purse to go with several different outfits, a, a dress purse for dress occasions. Would, would I be close? Yeah. And for us guys, we have... One wallet. In fact, my wallet's in pretty good shape right now, but for most of us, our wallets are probably pretty worn out, and the only time we even think about getting a new wallet is when our spouse says, Honey, I think it's time for a new wallet. And I can guarantee you that when spring rolls around, I won't be pulling out my spring wallet to go with my accessories. Thanks, Nancy. That really is heavy. Well, let me point out another difference. Consider the way that we dress. Ladies, when you got dressed this morning, you probably thought through everything that's going to happen today, didn't you? And you made sure that you wore something that would be appropriate for everything that you're going to do throughout the day. When women get dressed, their dress is an expression of themselves. Guys get dressed just so that they're not naked. And another thing about guys and dress, they really basically have two criteria, at least a lot of guys. Uh, actually, I have actually heard Josh, uh, our worship guy, say this. He has two criteria for clothes. One is to smell them, make sure they don't stink. And the secondly, if there are no visible signs of dirt on the clothes, then he figures they're fine for wearing that day. Pretty close, guys, some of us at least. Our differences are inevitable. Not only do we deal with gender differences, there are also a lot of personality differences between us. Probably in your marriage relationship, one of you is a morning person and one is a night person. One of you thinks the toothpaste ought to always be squeezed from the bottom. The other one really doesn't care. Yet one of you thinks the bed should be made every morning and everything in the bedroom should be fairly neat. The other one really could care less. There are always differences, and because of our differences, it is inevitable that there will be some times along the way that we have to deal with some conflict and tension. Now, the question is, we can choose not to deal with it, but that's never healthy. But if we will choose to deal with it, our conflict in a healthy way, it's just a bump in the road. But if we choose not to deal with our conflict or we deal with it in unhealthy ways, it can become a chasm that separates us and deeply wounds the relationship. So today I want to spend just a few minutes pointing out some basic principles that I think come right out of the Bible that can help us to deal with conflict and tension in our relationships in a healthy way. And these apply whatever the relationship is. So this morning, if you're here and you're not married, this material still applies to you would be worth writing down uh, because in any relationship, these principles work. Here we go. Number one, tackle the problem, not each other. Tackle the problem, not each other. We sometimes have this tendency that when there is conflict, it usually starts with small stuff, doesn't it? I mean, it usually starts with something that's fairly insignificant but has a way of kind of growing and getting bigger and bigger. And we have this tendency, as that begins to happen, to move from talking about the problem to 
tackling each other, to kind of attacking one another. Now, I have some news for you this morning. This may greatly surprise you, but you know what? You don't always have to be right. And you don't always have to get your own way. I know that may be a, a real shock to you, but that's the reality. And the next time that you are tempted to move from dealing with the problem to attacking and tackling the other person, stop and remind yourself, we just need to concentrate on the real issue here. I heard about a guy that kind of went to extremes with all of this. He and his wife used to get in arguments, and sometimes when they would argue, he would point out to her, you don't ever change the toilet paper roll when it's empty. Now, I know you're beginning to think I have like an obsession with this because I talked about toilet paper rolls last week and this week, and really it's not an issue at our house. But um, So he, he said... Um, you never change it. And so the next time it would come up, he'd say it again. You never change the toilet paper roll. You don't listen to what I ask you to do. And she would say, I change it just as much as you do. So he decided he would prove his point. The next time he went into the bathroom and he saw the toilet paper roll empty, he took off the cylinder, he signed his name to it and dated it and put it in a plastic bag and hid it in the back of the closet. And in the weeks that followed, every single time, this is a true story, every time he came into the bathroom and he saw the toilet paper roll empty, he'd take it off, sign it, and date it, and put it in his little bag. The next time that he and his wife got in an argument, he said to her, you don't ever listen to me, you don't change the toilet paper roll. And she said, I do it just as much as you do. And he said, I'll prove you wrong. Now this guy was not very smart. In fact, he was dumb, guys. He went in the closet, took out his little plastic bag and dumped out all of the empty toilet paper rolls and said, look, I told you, I do it more than you do. To which she responded, you're sick. So he wasn't finished. He decided he still wanted to prove his point. He called a counselor and said, can we come in and talk to you this afternoon? The counselor happened to have an opening and said, come on in. He went in the, they went to the counselor. He explained his whole story. He said, she doesn't listen to me. She doesn't do what I ask. And he said, here's the proof. He had carried his little bag along like a, a bag of a prized possession and he dumped it out on the table in front of the counselor and the counselor said to him, you're sick. A lot of us in our marriage relationships, we have these toilet paper roll issues that we carry around. And there are a lot of things that happen in our marriage relationship that we ought to just overlook. They're just... Empty toilet paper roll issues. They're not worth arguing about. They're not worth having tension over. They're not worth having conflict over. And we ought to just overlook those issues and move on. Now, there are some issues that come up in our relationship that we need to, to deal with and resolve. And when that happens, we need to make sure that we stay focused on the issue at hand. We work out a solution to it without beginning to tackle each other. Tackle the problem, not each other. The Bible says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, Peter writes, all of you should be in agreement, understanding each other, loving each other as family, being kind and humble. Peter says, love each other, tackle the problem, be understanding of each other. When you get in the midst of that situation, you need to remember we're on the same team. Let's resolve it together. Principle number two, try to understand before being understood. Try to understand before being understood. 
Sometimes when conflict arises in our relationships, we immediately jump to this idea that I've got to make sure that I'm being heard. I've got to prove that I'm right. Rather than stopping and trying to really understand what it is our spouse is saying, we immediately jump to, you've got to hear my point of view. You've got to hear what I think, and I've got to prove to you that I'm right. The reality is we've got to stop long enough and say, you know what, I just want to hear what you're saying. I want to understand what you're feeling. I want to understand what I need to do to help you rather than worrying about being understood. It goes back to that same idea that we think I have to be right. I've got to prove my point. And we allow that then to escalate into the, I've got to talk louder, sometimes literally, to make sure you understand how much I hurt over this. You're not hearing my feelings. I heard a, a True story, written in a book, and again, I can't remember the author's name, I I forgot at first service too, but in this book he tells this true story. A wife one day uh, was getting dressed, and she had a very important meeting that day. So she had a favorite dress, and on the day she had big things going on, she liked to wear this dress, and it had just come back from the dry cleaner, so she pulled it out of the closet and slipped into it, and she said to her husband, could you get the zipper? Well, he was in kind of a playful mood that morning, and so he kind of played around with the zipper and said out loud, you know, zip, 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 zip. Hey, 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 I love you, zip, zip, zip. But in the process, he broke the zipper. She was furious. This was a big day. She was feeling the stress and she kind of exploded. She put on another dress, stormed out the door, went to work. But all day long, it simmered inside of her that he had messed up her zipper, broken it, and she had had to wear this different outfit. Well, when she got home that night at 5.30, she was still mad and determined to do something to prove her point to him. Well, she saw her husband lying underneath the car with his legs sticking out, working on it. She thought, I'll get him. So she walked over, reached down and grabbed the zipper on his pants and went, zip, 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 zip. How do you like that? And marched on in the house. But when she got in the house, she was surprised to find her husband in the kitchen. And she said, what are you doing in the kitchen? He said, well, it's my kitchen too. She said, well, what were you doing under the car a minute ago? And he said, I haven't been under the car all day long. She said, then who was under the car? He said, well, it was our neighbor. He came over to help fix our muffler. So when she was totally embarrassed and she explained what had happened, so they both walked outside and noticed that the man under the car was lifeless. He wasn't moving at all. He was unconscious. When she had reached down and grabbed his zipper, he did what any man would have done and immediately set up, hit his head on the muffler and knocked himself unconscious. And I've been waiting to tell that story all week. I didn't even tell that one in the office this week because I just wanted to wait for this moment. When we don't take time to try to understand what our spouse is really feeling, things can quickly escalate because we have to prove ourselves and prove that we're right. What would have happened if in that moment she would have just stopped and tried to understand that her husband didn't intend to break her zipper? He was just flirting with her. He was expressing his love to her. He was wanting her to feel valued in that moment. But she escalated into, you've messed up my day and you don't understand how this makes me feel. And all day long she simmered on that. Rather than just in the very beginning trying to understand what was going on with her husband. How often in our relationships, rather than trying to understand, do we immediately just jump to, you've got to hear me, And you've got to understand how that makes me feel. 
Let me suggest a couple of things that you can do in your relationship to improve your ability to really understand your spouse. One is to practice reflective listening. It's a simple principle, and you've probably heard it talked about before, but if you're like me, I need to be reminded to do this sometimes. Reflective listening is simply to listen to your spouse talk, and when they're finished talking, to say to them, what I hear you saying is, and to repeat back to them what you think you have heard. And they'll either affirm, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying, or they'll say, no, what I was really trying to say was this. And it may take a couple of attempts, but eventually you'll land in the same place and you'll understand what they're trying to say. Now, what happens to us most of the time in a conversation, rather than really listening, to use a baseball analogy, we're already in our wind-up. We're already, while they're talking, thinking about, here's the next pitch I'm going to throw. Here's the next thing I'm going to say back to them, rather than stopping to listen to them and then to figure out how to respond. So we need to practice listening. In fact, the Bible says this about listening. It says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Or I like how the Message Bible translates the same verse. It says, Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Another thing that we can do to try to understand our spouse better rather than being understood is to validate their feelings. It's again one of those differences between men and women. Ladies, when you communicate with your husband, you need to understand that they are very literal in what they hear. And so when you say to your husband some kind of conversation like this, like you never, and you know they get that kind of funny look on their face then while you continue to tell them what they never do, you know what they're doing? They are going back through the entire history of your marriage, recounting all of the times that they actually did do that thing. Because they are very little, they hear in black and white language. So when you want to communicate to them, validate their feelings by explaining to them what you're really trying to say. Guys, on the other hand, you need to understand that when your wife says to you, you never, she is not incriminating you as much as she is saying to you in this moment, I don't feel very loved. I maybe don't feel valued. I just need you to make me in this moment feel valued and loved in our relationship. She's not recounting all of the past history necessarily. We need to learn to speak in each other's language and validate each other's feelings. We need to practice good listening. And we need to learn to understand the other one before we try to be understood. Principle number three, don't fire verbal missiles. Don't fire verbal missiles. Now, this is my simple understanding of what's going on in the world, but you know what? In my opinion, if the Palestinians would just quit firing rockets into Israel, there could be peace again in the Middle East. And in a lot of our marriage relationships, if we'd quit firing some verbal missiles at each other, we could have peace in our relationships. We could remove a lot of the conflict and tension. Now, our verbal missiles come in the form of some of name-calling or belittling or just being flat-out rude or complaining about the other person. Sometimes we fire our verbal missiles uh, privately and sometimes we fire our verbal missiles very publicly in front of other friends. And they do damage. In fact, the Bible says this. It says, words kill Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. 
I want to illustrate this. If I could have a volunteer. In fact, if I could just pick on somebody. Becca, you want to run up here real quick? You may have wanted to always do this. Well, you take all that toothpaste in that tube and squeeze it out onto the plate, not on me. Isn't that a beautiful color of red for toothpaste? Got most of it? Okay. I don't know, probably do. No, you didn't get it on me, don't worry. Okay, now I want you to take it and put it all back in the tube. I'm kidding. You can go sit down. Thanks. Very good. You know what? When you fire verbal missiles, you can't get them back. Once they are out of your mouth, the damage is already done. You can't suddenly retrieve them and undo the damage that has been done. So the next time you're tempted to fire off a verbal missile at somebody, stop. Think long about what the impact of those words will be because once they're out of your mouth, they're gone. You can't put them back in the tube. You can't put them back inside. When you're tempted to fire a verbal missile, you may think, I'll win the skirmish, but I guarantee you, in the long run, you will lose the battle. You'll lose the war. In fact, here's what the New Testament says about our speech. It says, do not let any, underline that word, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. And I am quite confident that when Paul wrote this, he would have included husbands and wives in this. In fact, we could read it this way but only what is helpful for building your spouse up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Before you speak, you need to ask yourself, will the words that I'm about to say bring benefit and help to my spouse? If not, keep them to yourself. Principle number four, don't leverage divorce, finances, or sex. There is this temptation when conflict begins to arise in a relationship that we leverage divorce and sex and sometimes finances, but primarily those other two. We do it this way. We say as the conflict escalates, sometimes very loudly, if you don't stop, I'm going to go get a divorce. Or, if you don't stop, you can forget about having sex. And we try to leverage those two things in our relationship. And that's wrong. You know what we're doing every time we do that? We're eroding trust in our relationship. And the marriage relationship is built on trust. And when you begin to drop the divorce threat, or when you hold sex over your partner's head, you're eroding that trust. You are chipping away and dissolving a covenant, a promise that you made before God and to your spouse when you spoke your marriage vows. Don't leverage divorce or sex the next time you're in conflict. Number five, cancel the grudge match. All of us carry around some grudges, don't we? And again, there is this temptation when we begin to feel conflict and tension in our relationship to reach into the bag and grab the club, the grudge club, and just begin to swing it around. And we do a lot of damage. The next time in the midst of conflict you're tempted to do that, just put the grudge club down. Reaffirm your love for your spouse. Deal with whatever the problem is in the present and move on to the future. But the things that are part of the past stay in the past. 
Deal with what's happening in the moment. Deal with it lovingly. Deal with it honestly. But then move on to the future. Number six, get some sideline input. I uh, went to a high school basketball game Friday night and as the game, the momentum began to change in the game and one team kind of began to struggle a little bit. And you know what their coach did? He didn't just let them keep struggling. He called timeout, gathered them around, gave them some instructions about here's what you need to do on the court and they went out and began to execute and the momentum of the game kind of leveled out at that point. And sometimes in our marriage relationship, we need some sideline coaching. Because you know what? Sometimes we get so close to what's going on in the relationship. Our emotions are so deeply involved in what's happening in the conflict and the tension that we feel that we can't make good choices. We can't make good judgment about what's really happening. We can't seem to step back from it and get the big picture. And so we need someone from the sideline who will coach us, who will be able to take a big picture look at what's going on and say, hey, here's, here's some steps you need to take to fix this. Sometimes that will be a trusted friend, somebody that you and your spouse both deeply trust and you can invite them into what's going on. And they can coach you along and say, hey, here's some things to do so you can fix this and move on. Sometimes you need to seek out counseling. And I know immediately some of you, when you hear the word counseling, there are all kinds of flags and guards that go up in your mind. You think, if I go to counseling, I admit in some way that I'm weak or that I'm not very tough or... Uh, you know, I'll have to admit that I need help. Or some, for some of you, it's, oh, it costs too much. And my response to that would be, well, how much is your marriage worth? You know, if you had a medical problem and it was expensive to fix it, you wouldn't say, well, I can't afford it. You'd figure out how to deal with it, wouldn't you? And those of us who, and guys, it's, a lot of times it's us. And you know, as I deal with people, we're the ones who say, ah, I'm not going to have anything to do with counseling. We need to put that guard down. There is nothing wrong with going to counseling. There is nothing weak about it. There is nothing that says I'm a wimp about it. In fact, it's the most courageous thing we could do sometimes. And if we really value our marriage relationship, there may be times for lots of us that we get to a point where we just need somebody who has a professional view of everything, has wisdom that we don't have, who can look at the big picture and kind of help mediate through things, resolve the conflict so that we can move on. You know, another source of sideline input in your marriage ought to be your life group. You ought to trust the people enough in your group as you get to know them that if something comes up and you're having trouble that you would say to somebody in the life group or to your life group leader or to the whole group, hey, we're, we're struggling with this. You guys have some input? Anybody been down this road before? You know, that's part of doing life together. And that's part of what really allows us to grow as Christ followers, when we'll be transparent and admit, you know what, we all struggle at times. But here's, here's the greatest source of sideline input in your life. It's God. The Bible is filled with wisdom for relationships. And the next time you're struggling in conflict and tension, turn to God. Look in the Bible and see what wisdom you can find there for how to resolve the issue. And equally as important to that, stop in the midst of the conflict and pray. You know, if we're honest, for most of us, that's not our first inclination, is it? In the midst of conflict, we're worried about just proving our point or, you know, whatever the argument is. Wouldn't it be great the next time in the midst of conflict and tension, if you just stopped and said, hey, you know what? Let's just pray about this. 
Let's ask God, who's got all the wisdom and all the power, let's ask Him how to resolve this. Let's ask Him what to do about this. And whether, don't wait on your spouse to be the one to suggest it. The next time you feel conflict and tension, if it comes to your mind, if the Spirit prompts you, then be the one to speak up and say, hey, let's just pray about this. Let's ask God for His wisdom about how to resolve this issue. Relationships are like a roller coaster. And the highs are wonderful, aren't they? But there will be the lows. I think conflict and tension are inevitable. And we have some choices to make when they come along. We can choose not to deal with it at all. And I guarantee that will always lead to bigger problems. We can choose to deal with it in some unhealthy ways, like a lot of us have done along the way. And I guarantee that leads to greater problems too. Or we can listen to the advice of the Bible and we can deal with conflict in a healthy way that resolves it. A healthy way that acts in humility and in love. And we can act in a way that leans on the power of God to bring resolution and peace to our relationship. Well, as we wrap up today, again, I just want to take a moment and pray for all of us who are here and for the relationships that we're involved in and for God just to guide us and to help us to put these issues to work. Before I close, I want to say, if you're our guest, again, it's just great to have you this morning. We're honored by your presence and we just love it if you would come back. As I pray in a moment while I'm praying, our prayer team is going to be coming down front. I just want to encourage you, if there's anything going on in your life that you'd like some of them to pray about, they're not going to ask you for any details. They'll just pray for you. Or if you're wondering, how would I have a relationship with Jesus? That's why our church exists, is to help people connect in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they would love to talk to you about that as well. And you know what? Things don't have to be going bad for you to let somebody pray for you. Maybe your marriage is going great, but you're thinking, you know, we'd like it to be even better. Why not come and just say, hey, we just pray for our marriage to continue to be healthy and to be all that God intended it to be. Let's stand and let me pray for you and pray a blessing over you. God, I thank You for our time together today. And God, I thank You for the marriage relationship. God, I thank You for my wife and for the health of our relationship. And we just ask You to continue to make it more and more healthy. God, I pray for any relationships here today that are struggling. Maybe today, even before they got here, they found themselves in the midst of conflict and tension. I pray, God, that You help all of us in those moments to resolve it in a way that honors You, that follows the principles of Your Word. And God, would You make our first thought, would You prompt us through Your Spirit, to make our first thought to turn to You and to ask for Your wisdom and Your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks. Have a great week.